today. How do corporate social responsibility programs affect your actual sales? Some of the first data on that is out now, and we have the study author with us. Also, augmented reality marking takes a step forward. How do arm muscles affect shopping cart values? And on the premium podcast with more stories, no ads, and expert live streams, Google appears to be giving up on part of core web metrics. But why? And what will they replace it with? It's Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Happy Constitution Day, Romania. I'm Todd Maffin from EngageQ Digital. And here's what you missed today in Digital Marketing, Episode 522. We hear lots of horror stories about platforms banning accounts. Hell, it's practically a hobby at Facebook. It happens elsewhere, too. And not just social media platforms. Payment providers can ban merchants. Just ask PayPal what it thinks about people who do sex work for a living. But what about the other way? Payment processors banning consumers from buying the products that you sell. It happened to John Aravosis. I was trying to buy um, masks for my mom and me, and all my credit cards got blocked, my debit card got blocked, and then I asked my mom for hers, because, you know, we live separately, and her card didn't work either, and I'm going, okay, this is really weird that they've, like, blocked my name. But no matter, he'd go try another site. I went to other sites, the same thing happened, and I kept thinking it was some errant, weird glitch, because it was only occasional. Then it happened on some software I was trying to buy for taxes. Then it happened on Substack. And again, the first time on Substack it didn't work, where, where all the newsletters and things are, again, I thought it was me. Then it happened with another newsletter I tried to subscribe to. Then it happened a week ago on Discord. And I went, okay, this is getting scary because it's, it's picking up frequency. And thank God, when I tried to buy the tax software about two weeks ago, I got an error that said, Stripe error. Yes, Stripe the wildly popular payment processor of the Web 3.0 economy and used almost everywhere these days. So, John calls them. And the guy on the phone, 15, 20 minutes, he keeps checking with people going, I can't find anything. What, you, what you've got to do is go to the company and have them contact us because we can give them more info we can give you. Which is always a bad sign, right? I mean, clearly there is a reason. John's just not allowed to know it. He tries to get the merchant companies involved. They don't get anywhere. So, yesterday, John took to his Twitter account, a verified account with 113,000 followers. I have a problem and need your help amplifying it, he tweeted, along with a description of what's been happening. Other accounts retweet it, some offering their own experience, and hey, guess what? Turns out Stripe doesn't much care for viral tweets. (laughs) And within a couple of hours, a guy I knew from politics 15 years ago happens to do communications at Stripe now, he sees it, calls me because he's got my phone number, and immediately pulls it up and goes, we blocked you because somebody's site got hacked. There was some kind of fraud attack on a website, e-commerce, took the entire site down for a couple days, so we blocked the most recent 20 transactions. And there was the answer. Stripe's solution to having a security issue was, according to John, to take the last 20 people who accessed the site in question prior to the security issue and just ban them from ever making purchases again. But how did they manage to block John when he tried using his mom's credit card? They attached it to my email. So every time I used my Gmail, which is my main email account, they saw and said, that's the guy, stop him. So it didn't matter if I used my mom's or my nephew's credit card. What if you're a regular person who didn't happen to know somebody at Stripe who could fix it? What if you don't have a Twitter account with 100,000 followers like I do that helped 
elevated. I mean, you're banned for life. And it's literally banning somebody for life from e-commerce. It's not just one credit card. All your credit cards get banned everywhere, and there's no way to get it fixed. And Stripe is taking over the world. It's really kind of scary. I am a big internet guy, but that scares me. John Arifosis is a political consultant in Washington, D.C. His substack is at cyberdisobedience.com. He spoke with me this morning from his family home in Chicago. We asked Stripe for comment and did not hear back by deadline. Well, you've heard the advice before. If you want to reach the younger generation of consumers, make sure you've got a story to tell about the good you're doing in the world. Corporate Social Responsibility or CSR, has become an integral part of a digital marketing plan. But have we been doing it wrong all this time? Diane Nickerson is an assistant professor of marketing at the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University. This past summer, she co-authored a research paper that is one of the first to study the effect of CSR on brand sales. And earlier today, I asked her if that surprised her. My co-authors and I were surprised. What we found was that a lot of people had done laboratory experiments and looked at purchase intentions. And there was been a couple of papers here and there that have looked at sales, but not exactly in the same way. Most of the the papers that use real world data actually look at stock price or the market valuation of the entire company and not really consumer sales. All right, so let's let's talk about the different types of corporate social social responsibility. You and your colleagues identified three primary types. Yes, um, we identified corrective, compensating, and cultivating CSR. And basically, the premise is that um, you know corrective looks at a brand's um, work towards addressing its own harm to society or the environment, like negative externalities, by changing its business practices, practices, correcting for what it's done. Compensating, on the other hand, also addresses uh, environmental or societal harm, but in this case, it does not address, uh, it does not uh, relate to changes in business practices. And then cultivating is what we typically think of as corporate social responsibility in terms of uh, corporate philanthropy, donating time, resources, addressing various issues in society, but not related to the company's own harm. It was interesting to read in the paper that um, one of the examples you gave was Coca-Cola, that they actually tested, like like a marketing split test, a number of different CSR initiatives to see which one got a better consumer reaction. Yeah, so they they engage in a number of different corporate social responsibility uh, initiatives. Of course, a large company like Coke, and this was more of like focus groups. So they would tell them about different um, initiatives they were interested in pursuing. And if you take, check out their CSR report, you see that they have focused a large uh, number of resources on um, environmentally friendly packaging, their, their bottles, and then water conservation. Did any of those three types, corrective, compensating, and cultivating goodwill, did any of those actually hurt sales? Yeah, we found um, in our analysis of real-world uh, brand sales and in the lab studies that cultivating CSR actually hurts um, purchase intentions and results in a slight drop, about a negative, about three and a half percent drop in sales um, when when it, when they are cultivating, doing cultivating CSR. So this and is if if a, if a brand has like nothing to do with, I don't know, the homeless, but they're donating money to the homeless instead of working on corrective exactly. or compensating that that impacts sales negatively. Why, why do you think that is? 
Exactly. So one of the things we tested in the lab was sincerity, the sincerity of the brand's initiative. And so that came out. Um, so consumers tend to think that corrective and compensating CSR actions are quite sincere, with corrective being the most sincere, and cultivating is seen as relatively insincere. And the intuition there is that it's um, a distraction taking away resources. So you're investing this money into, if you're Starbucks, they had a race together campaign some years back, 2015 or so. They got a lot of backlash for that. Um, but you're investing in this uh, initiative that doesn't help an issue that you already may have a problem with help or even to invest it. Um, you're not even invested in improving your product. So it's just going towards something that um, you know, is seen as trying to cultivate the goodwill of consumers as opposed to, um, you know, working on your product or any issues that you might have. My full interview with Professor Nickerson goes into way more depth, including what to do if you're a small brand, whether consumers respond better to environmental programs or social programs, and what about if your brand is already known for corporate social responsibility? Does doing more move the needle that much? The full interview will be coming your way on the premium podcast feed this weekend. You can sign up for it now. It's at todayindigital.com slash premium or tap the link in today's episode notes. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I first heard about it in our Slack community, which you can join for free at todayindigital.com slash Slack. Link in the episode notes. Jeremy, a sales and marketing manager, said it. Quote, so anyone else notice the Facebook page updates that went into effect today? Also, doesn't it seem like this update took us back to 2012, unquote? These sorts of reports happen a lot because Facebook's always trying new things. I replied to Jeremy saying, remember, there are hundreds of Facebooks at any given time because of staggered rollouts, test groups, country and region differences. What you're seeing might not be and almost certainly isn't what others are seeing. But then Meta announced it formally today, a new professional mode for user profiles, which they appear to have just switched on for some pages without any prior notice, because Facebook's going to Facebook. Despite it sounding like a feature on LinkedIn, it's actually aimed at creators looking to unlock revenue opportunities and gain access to tools to help grow their audience, according to Facebook. The new mode is currently only available to select creators in the U.S., according the announcement. One of the first monetization options available will be the Reels Play bonus program, which allows eligible creators to earn up to $35,000 a month based on the views of their qualifying reels, unquote. Meta will select which creators can earn bonuses because it's currently an, an invitation-only program. In addition, Professional Mode will make post audience and profile insights available to creators, similar to what page owners currently have access to. Creators will be able to see how many shares, reactions, and comments a post has and track their follower growth. There will also, though, be updates to the new pages experience. Here's what you can expect once it rolls out. A new professional dashboard that provides admins with tools and insights to assess their page's performance. Because, you know, that's what we need is another dashboard. Okay, I'll stop now. A new section at the top of the feed provides a snapshot of new comments and shares and tips on how to create high-performing content. A new two-step 
Post Composer that allows creators using pages to easily schedule posts and cross-post into groups directly in the app instead of having to post through Facebook Business Suite or Creator Studio. Editor's note, hallelujah. There is no official release date yet. However, the announcement did say the company plans to, quote, expand to more people in the U.S. soon and more countries in the coming months. Yes, friends, it's time for another episode of... Who's Copying Who? I mean, really, shouldn't this just be Who's Copying TikTok? I swear I'm going to change that. This time, it's Twitter. Twitter is testing a new redesigned Explore tab, which displays tweets in full screen and vertical format. It looks exactly like TikTok, but with retweets. And when I say exactly, I mean exactly. There is even a For You page that is literally called For You. So, for those of you playing along at home... First, they copied Instagram Stories, which itself was a copy of Snapchat, and made Twitter fleets. Then they canned that. Now they're copying TikTok videos and making, I don't know, Twitter talk video. I mean, I'm sure they'll come up with a goofy name. The Explore tab is currently being tested with users who use Twitter in English on Android and iOS and in some countries. So will you be repurposing your video content for Twitter if this update is rolled out to everyone? Correction. When? This update is rolled out to everyone. At its recent annual LensFest event, Snapchat revealed several new features for its augmented reality spectacles and advanced AR options. Here's a look at what you can expect to see. Updates to the Lens Studio tool with real-world physics. With this development of Snap's AR creations, the company says objects will now appear and respond more realistically to forces like gravity and collision. And some new interesting real-time data integrations. Lens creators can include elements like weather and even stock market information in their creations. A new lens call-to-action option, which will let brands include links within lenses to drive direct traffic from an AR effect. Creators will also be able to view new analytics within the My Lens section of Lens Studio. Additionally, Snapchat explained the new opportunities that augmented reality presents for brands, along with the growing pool of 100 million consumers who are now shopping with AR. According to the company, two out of three consumers are more likely to purchase after encountering a branded AR experience. And finally, Snap announced the launch of an AR content accelerator program called 523, which will support small minority-owned content companies and creatives that traditionally lack access and resources. Snap's team will support applicants and give them $10,000 per month in funding, to help them create new AR experiences. With all these developments, 2022 might be the year for you to try augmented reality in your marketing strategy. Envelope, please. This year's winners of Twitter's Best of Tweets Awards have been announced. Here are the standout brands that Twitter says, quote, made us laugh, cry, retweet, and reply. Quoting the company, best Brand presence goes to McDonald's. McDonald's pushed the boundaries and evolved its persona to speak to the most diverse and largest generation in American history yet, from celebrity meal campaigns with Sawiti and BTS to launching its loyalty program. McDonald's continues to be at the forefront of conversation. The most tweeted about brand was Disney+. Plus. The most popular brand tweet went to Nick Jr. with the message from Steve from Blue's Clues. No, I didn't catch that one either. Oreo took the prize for best campaign to creatively push the envelope. When a fan liked an Oreo tweet, the beloved cookie analyzed the fan's most recent tweets, 
to share a personalized Oreo horoscope with tasty insights about their personality. Other honorary mentions include hashtag Nintendo Switch, taking home the prize for the most tweeted brand hashtag, and Mountain Dew winning the best campaign that connected to a major moment. The brand created a campaign that aired during the Super Bowl and offered one winner $1 million if they guessed how many Mountain Dew bottles appeared in the ad on Twitter. Microsoft Bing is tapping into the eco-conscious audience, the company today announcing a new ethical shopping hub that is currently only available to UK consumers. Bing's new hub provides consumers with categories like eco-friendly, upcycled, or fair trade fashion. Ratings are integrated into the shopping experience and provided by Good On You for three focal areas, people, planet, and animals. These filters can be applied by consumers when searching for products. The company plans to expand beyond fashion into other areas soon. And finally, a new academic paper studying shopping carts has been published. No, not the digital ones, the real ones. And although we usually cover digital stuff here, I thought this was sort of interesting. So you know the handlebar on all grocery shopping carts, that long horizontal bar? These researchers decided to study how switching that bar to two vertical handlebars would affect sales. So they made some that sort of looked like the handles you'd see on a wheelbarrow or an elderly person's walker. And guess what? Vertical handlebars were found to make people buy more. Turns out, pushing a horizontal handlebar activates the tricep muscles of the arm. Apparently, psychologists have long thought that activating triceps is associated with rejecting things we don't like. Think about the motion your arm makes when you push or hold something away from you. On the other hand, when we use our biceps muscles, we're usually doing something we like, like pulling or holding something close to us. And yes, using vertical bars activates those biceps more. The study was published in the Journal of Marketing, quoting from the paper, Indeed, although shoppers found our new cart to be unusual, they ended up buying more products and spending more money. These results show that standard shopping carts may constrain buying, unquote. The study authors also had some advice for consumers like you and me wearing our consumer hat. Quote, awareness of how you use your shopping muscles may come in handy as the holiday season approaches. To minimize shopping trips and buy many gifts in one go, flex those biceps to pull things into your cart. Or to minimize spending, flex your triceps to keep <laughs> unnecessary purchases out of your cart. A reminder about our weekly happy hour Zoom call. It's open to everyone. There's no guest expert. It's just a chance to hang out with me, other listeners, and newsletter subscribers. We can whine about Facebook together or whatever. That's this Friday and every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific. That's 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. London time. The URL will be todayindigital.com slash happy hour live. I'm out of town tomorrow for agency business. So our associate producer, the intrepid Steph Gunn, will be sitting in for me. Bye for now. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.